Have you sat with grief? Have you let it wring you dry? Have you swollen and exhausted in its wake? Allowed the pain from the inner depths of hell deeper than you knew existed? Moves out, bubbled into your heart. So that your tears could begin to wash you clean? Have you asked yourself the questions with no answers? Then allow them to just coexist with you? Have you walked and talked with death and your losses? Innocence? murdered, precious time stolen, hearts trampled. Are you familiar with vulnerability? Are you familiar with allowing your deepest feelings, painful feelings, raw feelings, real feelings, to come out of the grave where you try to hide them? I know, I know, I know how hard it is. I try to avoid it too. But I also know the truth, the truth that it must be done. It is the broken road to healing, to life. The more we feel, the more we can feel. So go deep, my friends. Open wide. Sit a spell and let it bubble. Feel it all. It will feel rotten for a while. And then comes the morning. These are powerful questions in this piece. And in some ways it's incongruous to me to, to even think about going to these places and spaces in our worship this morning when all around us finally is the glorious flowering of spring. Life is full of these tensions, isn't it? And how hard have the beautiful spring flowers and trees had to work this year just to survive this long, long winter? The poet Amy Lloyd, who wrote the piece I just shared with you, she's not asking whether any of us have experienced grief, because I'm quite certain not a single one in this room has failed to experience grief and loss. I think sometimes loss begins from the, the moment we, we, we make our way out of that reasonably comfortable birth canal into the cold, cruel world, and we go, why am I here? With our first breath. We go through so much to be born, don't we? Just to even begin on the journey. It is a dangerous and unbearably beautiful thing to be born into new life. 
new life that we celebrate and we hold on to, that we look to for hope, and yet it does. It comes with a cost. So when I was visibly pregnant for the first time, I remember the platitudes that folks shared with me. Oh, as they all felt free to come up and rub my belly and say unhelpful things about the rest of my anatomy. But whatever. I'm like, you don't understand. I'm about to hurt you if you call me a I was a very, you won't be surprised to hear, I was a grumpy pregnant lady. Don't worry, they said. You'll forget all of this as soon as you hold the baby. Anybody else get told this foul, treacherous lie? <laughs> you may even have lied that way to other people just for revenge. <laughs> Because if any of us knew the actual truth of the process, none of us would do it. I mean, there was a whole shoe wardrobe that I've never been able to wear again, okay? And there have been many times when I've looked at my children and said, I'm not sure you were worth it. I tell it like it is, people. But I do, in all seriousness, I do understand because I also think it's part of our humanity to want to forget the pain, right? Forget it as, hopefully, as soon as possible. And to focus on the joy, to focus on the progress, to focus on the good things, which is also wonderful. And it is true that when they put those babies, first one and then the other, in my arms, I was filled with wonder and this kind of silly, exhausted, oh, wow, kind of feeling. And it was going to be perfect, right? It was always going to be perfect. This moment was going to be, it was going to be. So I won't bore you with all of the nasty details, but for nine months, I could smell cereal in a closed box. <laughs> and this perfect child had colic. <laughs> so she chose not to stop crying for what felt like about 27 years. <laughs> and I don't think I have had a good night's sleep since then. All right, I'm exaggerating. The thing is, it wasn't the way it was supposed to be. It wasn't the way this beautiful dream and fantasy in my mind had pictured it. This new bundle that was in my care was going to be something in my life I had never imagined possible, and she was just in a different way, and is. The reality of what happened was never part of my fantasies, which is probably good. And I had to grieve that loss. I had to grieve the loss of those dreams. Other things came, but that grief had to happen.
I remember a friend of mine who had children a few years older than, than, than mine. And she told me about this day that was devastating for her when she realized that her baby had stinky feet. <laughs> now, mine never did. <laughs> I can feel her pain. You know, 25 years after the birth of my first child, I still struggled to let go of that grief and of that sense of loss. Because the thought still creeps in someday. Someday it will be true that my beloved, my beloved spouse, my beloved community aren't ever going to feel pain again. The same time I know I think you know, nothing, no dream comes true. No dream come true happens without that sense of loss. We can't have our cake and eat it too as much as most of us would like. You know, Mike and I were married, oh Lord, I'm bad at remembering how many years, 26, 27 years ago. And we promised to grow old together, and, and we've, we've done that. But instead of, you know, holding hands in those places that the cruise lines tell us we're going to hold hands on some beautiful beach where we're prancing along looking younger than our age, you know, we're holding hands in different places. And actually, the truth is, because of how MS has changed his body, we, we really can't hold hands with me. So we have, to, we have to look at it. But love is love, right? Love is love. Love is love whether we are, you know, on some beautiful deck in the Greek islands, or whether we are in the emergency room, or whether we're buying adult diapers, or whatever it is that we have to do. Love is love. and the grief and the loss and the difference between what we imagine and what is true is something we have to process. Something we have to give ourselves permission, as Stephanie was sharing with the children, permission for our bodies and our spirits to do the work of healing so that, so that, the flowering trees, the new life, that thing we don't know because we don't have it yet. That new opportunity can come in and change us. And be something, I don't know about you, but the most amazing and deep gifts of my life I could never have imagined. They came, they came after the grieving and the loss and the willingness to accept change. As Lloyd says, we know our tears will wash us clean and we'll be ready for that next chapter. The road to healing doesn't take us back to the place we always knew. It doesn't take us back to the way things were. 
it doesn't take us back to the space where we might have felt comfortable. Or we might have told ourselves we were feeling comfortable. It take us to, takes us to a new place because we are different people. We are changed and shaped not only by those things that we experience and that we grieve, but by the love we receive when we are going through that process. Good thing it stopped. <laughs> I recently celebrated an anniversary, which is the anniversary of the day when Spirit led me into recovery from addiction 33 years ago, which is a long time. I didn't know what my life could be. I didn't know what my life could bring. I didn't know so much about how to live in the world, as we say, how to live life on life's terms. And if someone had told me that this was in my future, I would have said, oh, really, you're nuts. I remember on my 20th anniversary, I went to a, a meeting with, with folks who by then had become really close friends and companions. And I was all happy to celebrate these 20 years of, of, of growth and, and wonder and a stronger ability to live life and live what it brings. And the old timers then in the room said, ah, stick around, it gets better. So that was 13 years ago, and you know what, they were right does. It does get better. And it only gets better when we're willing to let go. And when we're willing to let whatever that is that is holding us back, that is that pain that we're not allowing ourselves to feel, let it take its course. I've been thinking a lot about this, and I'm going to ask you, Switching for a moment from the personal experience to the communal experience. Are you experiencing the grief of not recognizing the country you grew up to believe was your own? This is not a partisan question. I think it's an experience that many people in the United States are going through right now, irrespective of their political beliefs. For many of us, like my fantasy of the perfect child, the narrative we were taught and grew up believing this narrative that somehow if we did our part, everything would be okay in our nation, so strong and built on such good principles would be there to protect us. Our democracy was so grounded in principle, nothing could tear it down. It was so grounded and so, so grounded in principle and so strong that it was our duty and our responsibility as the people of the United States to shine that beacon around the world. 
Did any of you learn that? I did. Maybe it is time to grieve that loss together. Maybe it is time to allow ourselves to say things have changed. This change didn't just all of a sudden happen. These changes, life changes, the world changes. Maybe if we allow ourselves to grieve that loss, maybe we will be able to hear the invitation to something new, to something maybe we can't even imagine. I remember a few years back at, uh, at the, the church I served before coming here, we had a, a forum, a community forum on mass incarceration. And one of the elders in our community who, who was, a, was and is an extraordinary activist stood up during this forum and she said, I was a teacher for my entire career. And as an African-American, I made sure I taught in African-American schools. And I supported the war on drugs because I believed that this war on drugs would make my community safer. And now I realize that that made so many people from the generation of my children and grandchildren disappear into the prison system. That is what happened, and my community is no safer now than it was then. I'll never forget the courage she had to stand up and, and to say, I was wrong, and something happened as a result of what I believe and so many of us believe that none of us intended. I often remember, I'm guided actually by her example, we can't move forward until we grieve. You know, the programs that created such a strong and viable middle class after World War II. Programs that benefited many of us, our parents and grandparents, at the same time excluded many folks and created, set the stage for what we have now, which is a unconscionable disparity in wealth. The good old days weren't that good for everybody. <laughs> Yes, is what I'm saying. So I want to close with this. I said a moment ago that if we, perhaps if we allow ourselves to grieve, we can hear the invitation to something new. Now on Thursday afternoon, after I watched all of you auction decorators. You were having way too much fun, by the way, <laughs> making this, transforming this place. I got on a Zoom conference call. It turned out with 92 other Unitarian Universalist ministers. It was a Zoom call 
about our potential involvement in the Poor People's Campaign. How many of you have heard of the Reverend William Barber? Good number of you. Well, he started the Moral Monday Movement and has been an amazing speaker and activist and faith-based organizer. And this, the Poor People's Campaign is an evolution of this, of, uh, of, of this effort. I will tell you, I was so moved to hear the hope and the determination and the work that is being done. You know there are networks in 38 states of faith coalitions ready to, to do 40 days of action in Washington and at state capitals. I started to cry. I mean, I had to turn off the camera on my online. Um, laptop. Didn't want to be like. <laughs> it's an invitation. There are many invitations, but it's an invitation not to go back to the way things were. Not that everything was terrible, but not to go back, but to go forward. An invitation to transform the way we think about who we are. That out of this. Chaos, anxiety, distress, something new and powerful can be born. New life can come. And there are hundreds and thousands of people already signed up and ready to move. You'll be hearing more about that from me. So my beloved, open wide, sit a spell, and let it bubble. Love wins. Love wins, dear one. Amen. Amen.